Welcome to Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris. Here each week we engage in candid conversations with Nate, focusing in on some of the subjects brought up in the Sunday morning teaching shared at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. Have you ever experienced having high hopes for something, but then it never happened and you became very disappointed? It's a horrible feeling to hope for something that never happens. But what if we only hoped for things that always happened? How much more joy and satisfaction would we have in our lives? In this episode of Unscripted, we discuss the subject of hope and how we can have more hope and less disappointment in our lives. Let's join the discussion now. Well, welcome to Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris, but this next few weeks, it's going to be a little different. A little different because Pastor Nate is on a 40-day sabbatical. I think you guys talked about that last week. I'm saying you guys, Pastor Paul is here with me. So this week, it's Unscripted with Pastor Paul Hammontree. Uh, Again, I'm your host, Evan Johnson, Pastor Evan Johnson, apparently. Um, But yeah, so we're here in the next few weeks. It's going to be Pastor Paul a few times, Pastor Michael once, and uh, myself will be on the other side of this microphone being interviewed, apparently. So... Uh, looking forward to that, but today we're here with Pastor Paul going over the teaching from yesterday at this point, which he titled either Finding Hope, if you were looking <laughs> at the question sheet, or if you look at the app, it's called Discovering Hope. Either way, it's all from the same scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 14? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Sorry, that was a question That's mark. what it ended up being, yeah. Sweet, awesome. So uh, Ephesians 2, 11 through 14, continuing in our study of the book of Ephesians, talking about hope. And so, Paul, I want to ask you a question about hope. Yeah, yeah, go for it. You've had a lot of hope in the Denver Broncos this football season. They let you down. So can I tell you something really funny? Can can I ask my question? Oh, yeah, that's right. You're asking the question. Appreciate that. Um, Sorry, that sounded really rude. Can I ask my question, Paul? Uh, Yeah, go for it. Thanks. Um, Did you have a lot of hope in Brock Purdy yesterday? Because I'm going to tell you, I had a lot of hope in Brock Purdy yesterday. Wasn't that crazy? And I just was severely let down by Brock Purdy. Not by Brock Purdy, but just by in that moment. I was like, man, 49ers, this is the story of the season. The third string quarterback coming in. Yeah. And nothing. So They almost got to the fifth string. (laughs) They they did, actually. He, he, He took one. McCaffrey snap. did, yeah. And then after McCaffrey took that snap, they were like, we're not doing that again. Yeah. So, because there was a bunch of passes back and forth. Anyways, we're not here to talk about football. But. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe <laughs> maybe none of our listeners watched um, the game. They yeah. Have no idea Anyways, the 49ers lost yesterday pretty, pretty terribly. Um, but what is another thing that maybe you have, what are you hoping for most in your glorified body? Oh, man. Taste. Taste. Yeah, smell? I lost my taste. Uh, I don't know if I care that much about smell, but definitely taste. Uh, lost that in cancer treatment and haven't been able to taste for eight years now. Going on nine, man, time flies. But uh, I I had a dream. It was, it was within the first four or five months of losing my taste. I had a dream. My wife is an amazing, amazing cook. And amazing baker and she makes these chocolate chip cookies that are just to die for and i had a dream so i hadn't had my taste for like five months and i had a dream and i tasted those chocolate chip cookies in the dream and i woke up you know that state where you're kind of coming out of a dream into real life and 
and I could still ha- I still kind of had that memory of the taste from my dream in my mind, and I was like, "Oh, go back to sleep, go back to sleep." I just <laughs> like I miss yeah, I miss tasting things. Uh, it, it's not a, a huge thing. It's not like something I get disappointed about a lot, but um, I am really looking forward to that. They, I think I haven't been able to find it, but there's a I think there's a version of the Bible that sit, <laughs> where Jesus says. I will not taste of the fruit of the mm-hmm. vine again yeah. until I t- come into the, my Father's kingdom. And I'm like, yeah, that's me too, Jesus. You yeah. and me both. Yeah. And, but I haven't been able to find that version. I don't know where that, one of the versions. So, It's uh, oh, taste because he actually says, says in other drink. words, he will not, I will not yeah. drink of the vine or, yeah. or yeah. eat of this. Um, yeah. Right. But I got to tell you. But it's, now, it's all in there. It's all, um, taste is wrapped up in eating and drinking and all that, well, right? Well, for most people, yeah. yeah. But the, uh, so I got to go back to the hope and the Bronco thing for a second, because I had a real fear yesterday that is just dumb, (laughs) but it was real that I thought the quarterback of the Denver Broncos was going to come to our church yesterday (laughs) and because Russell Wilson, you know, because people come up here to the mountains to ski and now the Denver Broncos are not in the playoffs. And so they're off season and Russell Wilson's a Christian. And I would think like, it could be something that he would come up to the mountains with his family to ski, spend the weekend and they were looking for a church and they come by our church. And then I get up there and talk about how disappointed I am (laughs) in the Broncos. I was just thinking that would be horrible if that happened so yeah but i didn't you didn't see say that. you were disappointed with russell wilson you said the broncos <laughs> so there was there's a general disappointment right. layer there right because i mean we can all be we can all i mean we're looking back at this this isn't a football show anyways but like <laughs> the coaching staff once that whole coaching staff was gone they did so much better yeah I they think, didn't win i think we should lot, just move on just in case any of the coaching staff on. listens so, to this podcast sorry we just don't want to make them feel Truth, bad. reality. So anyways, what was your goal yesterday with your teaching? What did you really want to get across to people? I, the thing that really weighed on my heart, because I really went, you know, I was going to teach from verse 11 to verse 22. Actually, that's what Pastor Nate asked me to teach on. So I've kind of broke the rules there. But um, I... I just really, I had prepared a teaching. There were a few weeks ago where Pastor Nate said that he uh, was, wasn't feeling good and he wanted to be, to be ready to teach because I might have to step in uh, Sunday morning if he wasn't feeling good. And so I had kind of prepared a teaching about hope. It had been in my heart uh, recently over the last couple months that I just, like as I look out at the world, I just see people lacking hope or misplacing their hope. In, in things of this world, you know, and just so many different things like I shared in the teaching, you know, government and whatever it may be, you know, I know for me, I've had some medical concerns and like I, I get caught up in that of just like, man, if this, if I can get these new lenses for my eyes, then my life will be better, then, then everything will be okay. If I, if this medicine stops my bones from eroding in my skull, you know, then my life will be better and, and I just see myself you know, just becoming part of that, of like looking for hope in, in things uh, of this world that, that might never happen, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so it's just been on my heart a lot. And so I saw there in, in Ephesians 2 where uh, Paul talks about these Gentiles, um, Ephesian Christians who were Gentiles, and he said, before you came to Christ, you had one of the things he said about their, their past life was that they had no hope. 
And I just, when I read that, it was like, man, that's so definitive that they had no hope, that that's the reality for a person who is without Christ. And then so uh, a lot of times when I see real definitive statements like that in Scripture, then for somehow, for some reason, it helps me to make sense of it. When I take the opposite of that, then is the reality for somebody who is with Christ, you know, like that logical thinking pattern of if one thing is true, then the opposite of that thing is also true. Uh, There's a a term for it. I can't think of it offhand. But so if, if it's true that a person without Christ has no hope, then a person with Christ has all hope, (laughs) you know? And so that was just kind of, you know, spinning around in my head. And I think that that's really the main point of where I felt led to, to go with the teaching was that, you know, to get across to anybody listening who is without Christ, that they really have no hope and all these things in the world that they're hoping in, um, they're, they're never going to bring the, the joy and satisfaction that they long for. But then the other thing, and probably I felt like the most applicable thing for, for our church is even Christians so, so often, myself included, we just lack hope. Because yeah. we misplace our hope, and and we just like I've seen it so often. Where I think of you know Paul's words, I think it's in Philippians where he says, "I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in." And I know I've talked to so many people who just they they uh, they're they they're not content, and because they're hoping in something is going to change in their future, their job, their place where they live, whatever it may be. And so I just felt like led to really speak to that about how we as believers can experience a real hope that doesn't disappoint. Yeah. And I really, I really appreciated that, that you, I mean, you went back to a lot of Old Testament scriptures and just, you know, portrayed um, just the, the Israelites and their they knew God, right? They had the promises of God. And I I had never really thought of, you know, in reading that. And it says you were strangers from the promises of God and having grown up in a Christian home and um, coming to know the Lord from uh, a young age and growing up in that and like being told the promises of God and having accepted him as my personal savior. I don't really know of a time in my life where Mm. I feel like I've been without the promises of God. Mm that they're, that they've been true to me. Definitely. I haven't taken a hold of the promises of God in my own life, but that were a point where they haven't been true for you me. You always felt like they applied. To they you. always applied to yeah. me. And yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way. But then when you're, when you're faced with the reality that there was a point where you were not mm. a receiver of the promises of God, and that there are people who are not receivers of the promises of God currently mm. because they haven't accepted the work of Jesus Christ in their life. That really, that really hit me differently in the way of just like, man, there are people that don't have access to the promises of God at all, whether Jewish or Gentile because of what Christ did. And, and, you know, the next part you're going to go into is he abolished that line and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. um, that there's a new man that Christ has created, but that there are people without the promises of God and that I have the promises of God and I don't take hold of them. Hmm. I was like, wow, like how bankrupt am I when I don't actually take hold of something that I have, you know, it's like having a gift card that you don't actually use, you know, and it's just, it's just sitting there and it's not doing me any good. And it's like, 
wow, what, what is that? And then I was really grateful that you went to, went to Romans five, um, and you read through, uh, verses three. And I think you read out of the new living translation. And there was one thing that stuck out to me that I kind of wanted to get your, um, opinion on your idea on in this. Um, and it's something that my, my dad didn't drill it into me, but he was always, um, really big on character. Mm, yeah. as a as a young man in character right. and I really appreciate the time that he took to pour character into me and help me study and know what character is um, and so what really stuck out to me in this I'm going to read verses 3 through 5 um, of Romans chapter 5 from the New Living Translation it says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And the thing that really jumped out to me as, as you were teaching yesterday, yesterday, it said that character strengthens our confident hope mm-hmm. of salvation. And I wrote that down and underlined character, again, because of how my dad brought me up and all of those things. And so I was like, how does character strengthen our hope of salvation? Mm. How, how do you see that work out? Cause I, de- well, I was looking at different translations just previous to this and it doesn't say that it oh, doesn't yeah. say that character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And so I don't know. I mean, that's just the difference between translations and everything right. like that, but why, and I know you probably didn't pick it because of this, but how do you think they translated this to think that, character strengthens our hope of salvation that's a great point the uh i think that you know as i look at that there's a process that's taking place um that gets you to this place of confident hope and it begins with problems and trials (laughs) the thing that everybody tries to avoid in life they try to order their life in a way that they never have to face problems or trials um and could be the reason they never get to this place of confident hope because they're trying to make their, their life completely comfortable and never have to deal with issues. But from what I see there, you know, you get the problems and the trials. And then as you walk with the Lord mm-hmm. and stick with the Lord through those problems and trials, you gain endurance. And uh, as you endure difficult things in life, that's what strengthens your character. It shapes you. It molds you into the person that God's, you know, wants you to be. That's He created you to be. It gets rid of, you know, the the example of how they would refine metals. Mm-hmm. And they would heat them up, fiery trials, and and they would heat up the metal, and then the the dross, the impurities would float to the top, and they would scrape them off. I don't know if you ever heard this, mm-hmm. but I heard this one time that. Uh, as they scraped, there was a certain type of metal that as they scraped that dross off the top, it made a noise, like screaming. It sounded like a bunch of people screaming. Oh, I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what it's like, you know, sometimes is, you know, going through this process. And, but what's happening is God is refining our character. And, and it, what, what I like about it is all we do in that process is we keep living mm. and keep believing in God and trusting in God. And 
you know, we don't have to make something happen. He's actually making it happen. He's the one that's doing the work. You know, we just hang in there. We endure. And he then shapes that into character. And then as our character is refined, all of a sudden we start to realize we have a hope that we didn't have, you know, before these problems and these trials came into our life. And so I think that, you know, would be my description. Just looking at my own life, I can see that, you know, that there's... I, I think I shared it in the teaching in the second service yesterday that the closest I've ever felt to God was during cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. It was the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life, but it, it, I felt so close to God during that time. And, you know, there's now coming out and feeling more healthy. I kind of miss it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. kind of weird. It's I'm not a sadist. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, be in pain and all of that, but but there's just like when you, you get everything of the world stripped away from you, then you're like, all I have is the Lord. And that old saying is, you don't realize all you need is the Lord until all you have is the Lord or something like that. It's probably yeah. said better than that. But um, but that that's how I think that process works. And um, I think that's important to understand because like sometimes people try to make themselves a person of character. Mm-hmm. And... That can come become very prideful, I think. Yeah. Uh, but when you allow God to make you a person of character, then I think it works out a lot better. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I loved how you said that God refines and, and builds that character within us because of the point that you just said, right? It can be bear, a very prideful thing. It's like, well, I've put in all the work and I've become yeah. humble. And it's like, did you just did you just hear what you said? I've become humble, You're bragging about yeah, your humility. bragging about your own humility, which in that point probably means you don't have any. Um, I don't know. I, I won't be the first one to say that you don't. But at the same time, because then you'd be prideful. Yeah, because then I would be prideful <laughs> and looking at you and maybe not looking at my own self. But I really appreciated that. And then, um, yeah, and so I just think that 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 is such a cool a cool theme that runs and that's what builds our hope, you know, and Paul talks about that so much yeah, in, in all of his letters. And if any man knew that we have from, from writings of people who went through trials and right. tribulations and endured, it would be him yeah. that we have, you know, we don't have Joseph's journal, but oh, I could man. imagine if Joseph wrote something, I would, I mean, I, if he did, I, I, I would I really might, want to read that. I think I might make something up <laughs> and say I discovered it. No, don't do that. Cause that's lying. You've already done enough of that in your life. So <laughs> we all have, right. We've all lied. Right, so we've all, right. we've all, we've all done enough lying in our lives. So, um, but yeah. And then I think going back to just the idea, um, not the idea, the truth of, of the fact that we all as Christians don't take hold of of hope in our lives or take hold of the promises or don't live like we have hope. And I was reading, I'm in a book by A.W. Tozer called The Deeper Life, and it's, it's a bunch of his editorials that he wrote when he was alive. Um, but this one, this quote really stuck out to me actually this morning. Um, and it's people who are searching and seeking for the deeper Christian life, you know, the deeper the deeper truths and all of these things in Christianity. And so he goes and he writes um, to speak of the deeper life is not to speak of anything deeper than simple new Testament religion. And in his time, religion actually meant (laughs) (laughs) not what we think of today. Um, 
you could probably substitute it for truth. Um, rather, it is to insist that believers explore the depth of the Christian evangel for those riches it surely contains, but which we are surely missing. The deeper life is deeper only because the average Christian life is tragically shallow. Mm. And that, that last phrase really stuck out to me. The deeper life is deeper only because the average Christian life is tragically shallow. Yeah. And that just jumped off the page at me, and it's like, yeah, we're, we're living and putting our hopes in so many different things that when we're like, oh, we, we finally get away for a weekend and we go on a church retreat or we go um, on a vacation and we spend time in the Bible and we do our devotions and we do all of those things, we're like, man, this is what I'm seeking for. You know, right. you actually find the, the deeper life that, that mm. we, we all want and then we come back to our normal busy lives and all of these things happen and we didn't learn anything. Yeah. And so we, we're, we were swimming in deep waters and we come back to shallow waters and it's just like, man, where is that? I'm seeking that deeper life. And it's like, well, you can have it. What are you doing right now yeah. that is costing you that? And I think you even said it yesterday when I've heard other people probably say it too, but how you live is showing what you're, what you're hoping in or right. where your hope is at. And yeah. so, yeah, that was a, uh, one of the questions that I wrote for our, our groups uh, that, you know, they discuss the Sunday teaching in their small groups. And one of the questions that I wrote kind of dealt with that is like, when was there a time in your life that you felt closer to God than you do now? And then the follow-up question to that was like, how can you get back there? And I, I think about that a lot, a lot, you know, where we're, you know, life for all of us, it like, it'd be awesome if we just got deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord and connected to the Lord and our hope just grew and grew and grew. But we're all, you know, we're fallen creatures and we make mistakes and we drift away and all of that stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's like, why, why can't we just live in that place of hope all the time? And, um, you know, it's just, uh, uh, to get back to that first love I was thinking to of, you know, revelation, Jesus is talking to the church of Ephesus, mm. you know, uh, here again in Ephesians, you know, that he's like, you left your first love. And, um, so that's, a something that I think about a lot is, you know, when I start to drift away and I start to see in my life, you know, a lack of hope, it's like, what, what am I doing wrong? Like, why, why did I lose focus? How did it, this, I get here? Let's go back to that place. You know? That's really good. Um, something that often comes into my mind when, I, when I'm, you know, re-looking at a teaching or re-looking at my notes and like, okay, these are great things for me to remember and, and think about and to live out. But since we're talking about hope and we're, you've, you made, the statement that the biggest problem facing our culture today is misplaced hope mm. or a lack of hope. How do we talk to people with misplaced hope and lack of hope? Unbelievers or even Christians who have misplaced their hope. How do we, how do we lovingly yeah. and truthfully, you know, those are two great Christian words, lovingly and truthfully, right. um, reach people who have misplaced their hope and have a lack of hope. Um, maybe starting with one or it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I'll, let's start with the unbeliever. I think my opinion on that is, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but my opinion on that is for us to speak to an unbeliever about misplaced hope, I think is 
almost impossible. Um, we can share with them where we find our hope, but I think the thing that impacts an unbeliever the most is us displaying hope. When we display a real solid, uh, enduring hope in the Lord, no matter what trials we face in life, I think that's what impacts an unbeliever. So I think just to go to an unbeliever and say, hey, you're hoping in that job or that <laughs> career is wrong. You need to hope in Jesus. Like that's just not going to, that's not going to change their mind. I think if they look at your life and they see you go through a battle or a difficulty, maybe you're going through the same one. Maybe you both lost your retirement plan at work or whatever, you know, the way you handle it, showing hope for the future, they don't have that hope. I think that's what speaks to an unbeliever. To a believer, I think the, I think we need to call each other out on this from time to time in a loving way. But I just feel like I know this is true in my life, and I know it's true in a lot of people's lives that I'm around, <laughs> that we put our hope in a thing, and we say we hope in God, mm-hmm. but we're hoping in God to give us that thing. So we're not really hoping in God, we're hoping in that thing. And that's, and that's a hard thing to remember or stay in that place of the good place of just hoping in God. It's just so natural for us to, you know, when we have a health crisis, you know, we begin to pray and think about that health crisis. And now we're asking God to help us with that health crisis. Um, but we're placing our joy, you know, in the, like if the Lord comes through for me in this health crisis, then I'll have joy. Mm. And we're not hoping in the Lord. We're hoping in that in getting healthier and whatever it is, a job, a relationship, you know, all those different things. And I think we just need to give each other um, that... Uh, ability to speak into our, each mm. other's lives because we can see it in other people a lot easier than we can see it in ourselves. Yeah. And so we need to open ourselves up to other people speaking into our lives and other people need to open themselves up to us speaking in their lives. But I think we do have to call each other out. Um, that's what a lot of, you know, the New Testament scripture, the epistles, the the letters, you know, to the different people, that's what a lot of that was, was, you know, calling people out and just like, hey, you know, this is what's going on. That's not good. Yeah. You know, and um, and just we have to have that humble heart to listen. You know, when somebody does that. But I think it's just so natural for us to slide into that place of hoping in things of this world that we need to be, uh, as the word says, we need to stir one another on towards love and good mm-hmm. works. We need to to help each other out in those areas. Yeah. And even you just said stir and I'm like, oh man, like when you, like when you put powder in a drink, like, you know, you're not like, oh, I'm just going to lightly stir this. And then hopefully it like comes together. Like when you like, like I was thinking when I make lemonade, like powdered lemonade, like I put that lid on, I screw it <laughs> on as tight as I can. I just shake it as hard as I can. And I'm just like, well, I don't want to be like, I don't want to shake people really hard, but like, especially and babies. I don't, and don't I don't, do that I will never do that. Um, but that idea of stirring up yeah. one another can sometimes feel like a violent process when someone stirs you up, oh, you yeah. know? And so just to be reminded of that in and of itself, because that's one of my favorite verses in Hebrews. I have, I have it 
inscribed on my Bible, you know, that we may stir one another up to love and good deeds because sometimes it just settles yeah, and it needs and to we, be stirred up again. We need to experience that. We have a hard time stirring ourselves up. Yeah. Yeah. We need to do that for one another for sure. Yeah. So I just, I really appreciate you saying that because it made me think of that. And another really cool thing that you said is like giving each other or um, giving each other room to speak into each other's lives and allowing that to happen and, and finding joy in, in the Lord through the things that are going on in our life, not because of the things in mm. our life. If that yeah. makes, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a difference there. Like definitely. And so That's like, a good point. Yeah. Like we're finding joy through in the Lord, through the things that are happening in our life, not yeah. because of the things yeah. in our lives. Right. And so I think there's a big distinct distinction there. And I don't know if you've ever read the book. I haven't, but I heard an excerpt from it's the hiding place by Corey Ten Boom. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? I think I have. Okay. <laughs> I, I really want to read it. Um, but there was an excerpt from it in another book that I was reading. And it was talking about when she and her sister were put into the concentration camp in yep. World War II. The fleas. The fleas. And her si- and they were like, they were in this place and talking and sh- sharing, you know, they, they had just gotten in there and... They were in their bunk bed and they felt a bite or something. And it, there were fleas that infested mm-hmm. the place where they were living. And they, her sister, Corey Ten Boom's sister, was like, let's pray and rejoice and give thanks and all these things. Thankful that we're alive. Thankful that we're together. Thankful for the fleas. And her sister, Corey, looks at her as <laughs> what the book says and was like, really? The fleas? Yes. Be thankful for the fleas. In all things, mm-hmm. give thanks and then later to find out that as they're sharing the word, they had their Bible with them, so they were thankful for having the word of God with them. Um, and they're in a concentration camp, right? So they have things they're not supposed to have, which is, number one, a Bible. The Nazis yeah. didn't want them to have that. And so they're reading it, and they're sharing it out loud, and people and these ladies are coming in, and they're packing in, and they're hearing all this stuff, and they just know that at any point, if a guard walks in, they could be taken out and killed right, or right. whatever's going on and come to find out at the end of it, the guards never came to their place because of the flea infestation. Yep. And they never wanted to, they didn't want to get infested with fleas themselves. So they never came and it allowed them to have this amazing right. ministry to all of these ladies in this present, in this concentration camp. And it's like, it was because of the fleas. So they yeah. gave thanks because of the fleas. And it's just like, you hear stuff like that. And you're like, that totally changes your perspective on where you're at and how you're able to do those things. And so just that idea of like, we rejoice through the things that are in our lives, whether good or bad, not because of the things yeah. in our yeah. life. They rejoiced through the fleas because even while they were sharing the word, they still had fleas. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they still had that issue, that yeah. problem. Yeah. And so that just, and they're like, but their hope was greater, right? right? Their hope was greater than than the situation, even of being caught and killed and all of that, to share the hope of the scripture and give ladies hope in this women's concentration camp area. Yeah. Is is like you said, it's infectious. It it allowed people people kept coming and kept coming and kept coming to hear them read the word of God mm-hmm. that gave hope in such a hopeless situation. And it's like that's that's what we're meant to be, yeah. you know? And I think, um, I don't, I don't know where I, it's in Ephesians and I think it's coming up, but it says now the manifold witness of God is made through the church yeah. 
to the principalities and powers in the heavens, like yeah. through the through the church. And so it's our job to stir each other up, to love and good deeds, to remind each other and have confident hope. And then that's what changes the world around us. And that's yeah. what changes the people around us. And that's something that I cut out at the end of the teaching. Um, I might talk about this next week a little bit, but one of the things that, so God wants us to have peace and hope and because he wants us to enjoy peace and hope. So that's one aspect, and I really focused in on that yesterday. The other aspect of it is we will be a light to a world filled with fear and despair. I mean, I just see that how the um, the world is seeing all these things that are causing them to experience fear and despair and worry and all of that stuff. Um, if we as Christians can get to that place where we're just so filled with peace and hope and walking in that and living in that every day, enjoying it for ourselves, but then that's when we become a light to the rest of the world, to the unbelieving world. And that's what I think is, you know, one of the, the points about that is like, yeah, we want to have hope for ourselves for sure. But um maybe it would help some people to think about like, this isn't just for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is how you are going to impact the world around you. And maybe you uh, get really scared about the thought of going up to somebody and saying, Hey, do you know Jesus, you know, and starting a conversation like that? Well, then you don't have to witness like that. Just allow yourself to be filled with the peace yeah. and hope that God wants for you. Then you can be a powerful witness in this world. Amen. <coughs> and that, I mean, and that's how Paul ended all of his all of his letters: grace and peace mm. to you. Because yeah. grace and peace all stem from hope, right? Like, if we have that, what else do we? Yeah, need? right. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you so much, Paul. Really appreciate it, um, and look forward to the teaching next week, and just in all that, all that's going to happen. So, thanks so much. All right. Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. If you'd like more material from Pastor Nate, you can go to PastorNate.com. That's the word pastor, the letter N, and the number 8.com. And for more information about our church, you can connect with us through our website at mountainlife.church. Hope you can join us again next week as we continue the conversation.